podcast thank you for joining myself and Ian McKenzie on today's episode where we will be catching up with Russell Quirk co-founder of Proper PR thank you so much for joining us Russell Ian I know that you guys have got a great relationship tell us a little bit about that tell us about you guys we probably shouldn't have a good relationship because we're (laughs) diametrically opposed with most of our opinions on things Um, but actually we do Russell don't we we have a good old natter from time to time I think we're, we're aligned in all the right places. So I think, yeah, we probably clashed in the past, as I have with one or two people in this industry, frankly, um, around kind of propositions and the philosophy behind the old industry and the way it's going or not going. Um, yeah. And obviously, look, yeah, the whole online thing, which was um, something I was quite involved in back in the day, uh, definitely caused some consternation. Uh, and, and there were a number of high street agents, so back in your countrywide days, Ian, that um, funny enough didn't necessarily agree with me all the time. Well, you are larger than life. Um, I've been really looking forward to this podcast. We we had a pre-call and we've got two things that we both feel that we really do need to talk about um, because the industry needs people to talk about this. They need directing minds and leading minds and people that think outside the box and um, to think and discuss and debate. And there's two things in particular, the industry evolution, how it's evolving, what it's like in comparison to when you and I first started in agency and what's the direction travel. And then um, a really hot topic at the moment and ongoing is conveyancing and pipeline turns, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, yeah, should be quite an interesting little session. But Holly, you wanted to just ask a couple of questions before that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Well, you said, you just mentioned there, Ian, um, about when you both started in a state agency. And I think that was a long time ago, wasn't it, guys? <laughs> so I'm interested to know, Russell, where did it all start for you? How did you get to where you are now? Um, so it does go back quite a way, Holly, uh, quite a way. In fact, it goes back to before I was born, would you believe? So I, I had to fall into a state agency as a, a matter of compulsion, I suppose, because not only was my father an estate agent back in the kind of 70s and 80s, but my grandfather was an estate agent in London from the 1940s onwards. So it's You've got property in your blood. It's kind of, yeah, very much in the DNA. So you know, when you grow up in a family of estate agents, I mean, hideous as that sounds to anybody listening to this that isn't an estate agent, it, it really does kind of embed. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, uh, and I know I don't look this old, but back in the mid late 70s, my, this is also going to sound very misogynistic, by the way, but my, my father and his two brothers and my grandfather would have their morning meetings around the breakfast table in my grandfather's house, being served a cooked breakfast by my grandmother every morning. Um, now, okay, m- move apart that we've moved on a little bit and you can argue that my grandfather should be doing the cooking and maybe my grandmother should, should have been the head of the business. Um, that, that's how I grew up. So wandering in and out of my grandparents' house, to whom I live next door, by the way, you, you could not, and I, my cousins as well, who, by the way, are mostly estate agents, uh, Anthony, Simon, Quirk and so on, we, we couldn't help but be just kind of caught up by this whole thing. And, and so... By the age of five or six, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, <laughs> by the age of five or six, I was I was playing estate agents in my bedroom. I mean, honestly. Brilliant. I'd have my grandfather come home with, you know, remember the old-fashioned window cards, Ian? You're old enough yep. to remember this. Yeah. Um, so they used to be done back in the day by a calligrapher. So I'd, I'd, I'd still remember those cards being kind of, you know, prepared and the 
colour photo stuck on with kind of sellotape. Yeah. And when they were done, when that when the particular property that they related to was sold and completed, I asked my grandfather to bring them home. So he'd bring them home in a box every now and again. And I'd line them up on my windowsill in my bedroom and, and kind of fake an estate agency office with a kind of, you know, fake phone and so on. So roll forward to 1984 when I left school at 16. I was kind of, you know, rushed out the gates of the school, frankly. Um, and it was just a natural, natural thing for me to go into what was then the family business called Quirk and Partners, which at one time had about 14 estate agency offices throughout Essex. Um, it was kind of, it was a given, you know, as it was for a lot of my, my, my cousins and my sister and so on. So it's um, all sounds very romantic, Holly, doesn't it? But that that's, that's kind of where my yeah. estate agency heritage comes from. It, it was... Ian and I were talking about this the other day, that often you end up falling into a state agency by accident. You know, I, I, I'm afraid, and I'm sure we'll elaborate on this, I don't think many people go through their education and then university with the hope and the wish to be an estate agent. I'm afraid that that's true. Um, whereas in other countries, it's different. Um, so yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't one of those that fell into it. I was one of those that was almost compelled into it. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And if for, if people knew that about you, they would have probably. Well, now they do know about you, of course. But if they don't know that about you in the in the first instance, maybe they'd have a different view on your drive to evolve it into something different. Quite interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And I think also, you know, obviously, I'm often characterised by eMove and the failure of eMove in 2018. You know, albeit nine years into that business, you know, people don't realise eMove was was quite an established business mm. uh, by the time it kind of failed. So nine years on. I think a lot of people might think that I was this kind of new disruptor that thought he could come along and knew everything about a state agency and would change it from the outside. Quite unusually, I think, for a disruptor, I was trying to change it from the inside, which doesn't often happen. So, but I, I it's fair to say, I think that in, in, in 2009, by that time, I'd been in a state agency for about 20 years. So I kind of knew the business. And, and I think that then qualifies me to be able to see and understand the negatives, the downsides, the problems in a state agency. And, and, and therefore, look, I know I have this reputation for being slightly outspoken occasionally. On the basis that I know the industry, I think it allows me then to have an opinion on what and how the industry should change and evolve, which is back to your point yeah. at the beginning of this, Ian. Well, let's, let's crack on with that because um, uh, linking, linking the two together, in 2007, I remember um selling my business um just almost at the right time and then going to work for another business and actually trying to launch a self-employed model within that at that time wow. because because interestingly when i set up my business and when you set up yours and your father's did you could go and get a loan from the bank and you could go and put a charge against your house and you could do all of those things mm. and in today's world of course you can't mm. so there's lots of frustrated entrepreneurs that are looking for a route to market and that's effectively where the first version of the self-employed model and, and uh, eMove and Pebble Bricks probably came from. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I think, you know, definitely, look, no one goes to banks anymore, surely. I mean, you know, maybe for a, a standard mortgage, but certainly not from a business perspective, because they're, I mean, talk about a broken industry. Commercial banking is definitely broken. Uh, you know, what's the old adage about bankers? You know, they, they lend you an umbrella, but ask for it back as soon as it starts raining. I mean, they're just... Um, <laughs> hideous individuals but worse than estate agents um i think but what, one thing that has changed over the last few years is i kind of discovered about four years into the e-move journey was this thing called venture capital so venture capital private equity and so on 
were real eye-openers for me. You know, there's this huge, huge industry that I think in our sector, estate agency, we don't really come across. We don't really know it. We don't really understand it. But there's, and, and I, I don't exaggerate here, billions and billions and billions of pounds, dollars and euros that are sitting there waiting to back businesses. So, you know, with eMove, I mean, I took advantage of that to the tune of raising 27 million pounds at eMove. You know, Purple Bricks raised far more than that. Yopa, I think, have raised in excess of 60 or 70 million. So it's dead right that it's harder now to start, I think, a conventional estate agency business, mm -hmm. unless you've got kind of bank of mum and dad support uh, or investors that may be friends and family. But I think actually for a big business, it's easier now to get funding, notwithstanding the cyclicality of funding, because obviously sometimes it's harder to get than at other times. But if you've got a big idea, whether it's in property or outside of property, you can actually get funded. You know, to go and raise a million quid now for a good idea with a good team, particularly if there's a technology aspect, it actually isn't that hard. Mm, I think you're right. I think that's really interesting. Um, so you, you've touched on sort of evolving and evolution you've got some pretty strong views unsurprisingly about agency in today's world and where we're at I mean we spoke yesterday and I, I actually said I chucked out there that people like you and I are responsible for the um, poor the inability of some new people coming through because we haven't trained it on and we haven't passed on our skills I don't know if you agree with that what's your take on the UK market etc so I, I'm pretty down on the industry to be honest and and not to be controversial for the sake of it but you know I spent a long time in the industry a long time experiencing it and uh, kind of analyzing it I suppose I I see the industry in comparison to other industries so whether it be financial services or retail or automotive or hospitality or whatever and I don't think that estate agency has evolved almost at all since you know you said at the top of this podcast you know talking about where the industry is now compared to where it was when you and I started. Yeah. I don't think it's evolved at all. I mean, okay, we've got Rightmove now and we've got CRMs and we've got self-employed models and online, but agency itself, when I talk about agency, I mean the the art of selling a property and the the skill and the obligation and the the kind of the the, the way of going about customer service. I think not only is that not evolved, that's got worse. That's got worse. So I think you're right. I think the big, the big corporate agents, particularly those, and look, here's the first controversial bit. I believe that any big estate agency business that's being run right now by someone that doesn't have estate agency experience will definitely not do as well as it would do if it had someone at the helm running the business that has estate agency experience. So take Oxtons, yeah. Oxtons for an example. And, and I mean... No disrespect to Nick Budden, who I've met several times, had lunch with him, lovely, lovely guy, comes from a private equity background, no idea about estate agency. Look at the, if you look at the graph of his tenure, as in the amount of time he was at Foxton's, and then look at the share price, they, they literally link to each other. So in other words, during Nick's tenure of five years or so, I'm afraid, the longer he was there, the lower the share price went. We've now got Guy Gittings, who obviously, um, you know, fairly recently was announced as the new Foxton CEO, and I think has done a fantastic job at Chesterton's. I mean, to really pull that business up from a PR, perception, culture, and performance perspective, Guy Gittings will completely transform Foxton's now, and I think that's a really smart move. Um, 
So the, the, the problem I have is that we've got big corporate agents that are run by non-estate agents, and therefore a lot of them don't do that well. And look, you know more than anybody in the controversy at Countrywide and how having people like Peter Long and Alison Platt and Sam, forget her surname. Tara. Tara. Tara, yeah. Having those people in place, albeit they had the best intentions. They did nothing wrong or improper, but they just didn't know what they were doing, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so I, can, I can certainly vouch for that because they would um, take control from the MDs who were previously under Bob Scarth's and Grenville Turner's reign, actually paid to run the business, that yeah. understood their local business and were make, allowed to make decisions. And, and then everything got centralized with one process. Yeah, so I, th I think we've got this kind of collision of circumstance, which is corporates going down the non-property CEO route, which is a yeah. mistake. We've then got the long tail of estate agency, of course, and as most of your members are, that are one, two, three, four, five branch businesses who are all in their own right, very smart, very hardworking and so on. But because it's so fragmented, I'm not sure that that's then conducive with innovation and progress. Now, look, I, I won't blow smoke up your orifices you two uh, but there are organizations like yours that obviously do a very good job of seeking to pull people together and to uh, you know advance best practice compliance and so on but there's nowhere near enough of that um, and, and 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 kind of here's the rub when people like me that have got an opinion and a bit of a platform stand up and say you know i don't think estate agency customer service is good enough I don't think estate agents themselves, not estate agencies, but estate agents are paid enough. Uh, I don't think there's enough compliance awareness. Um, I don't think technology is used as it should be properly for the good of efficiency, cost saving and consumer benefit and, and so on and so on. I can bang on about this stuff all day long. I get criticised, right? I, I get moaned at for, well, yeah, but he's the guy that failed at EMU, as if somehow that defines me as having no valid opinion whatsoever let me tell you when you failed it kind of wakes you up a bit and you start to think retrospectively about mistakes and things that you did right and things that you did wrong and therefore i think it qualifies you to say okay well now i've seen that journey i've kind of pushed the envelope here and failed you know business went bust um we, we should be looking to failure quite a bit more in my opinion and, and actually as maybe we you might want to talk about ian and holly when you look at the UK versus the US, what defines a US entrepreneur of success is one that's failed a good few times. Yeah. In the US, that's championed because it's, well, if you failed a few times, you really know your stuff. Yeah. You really learn. In the UK, you know, particularly in our industry, if you fail, you're ridiculed, lampooned, and so on. I would say to all those people that ridicule failure is before you start criticizing people that have failed, at least have the guts and the courage to put yourself in a position where you might at least have a chance of failing yourself. And yeah. until you do that, and what was it, the old Teddy Roosevelt quote about man in the arena, uh, and until you are in that position where you're able to criticise from a position of actual knowledge, shut up. Hmm. I think it's there's so many points that you've touched on in this. Uh, and let me tell you a few of them that I've heard in terms of agency uh, hasn't improved. In fact, it's got worse. Um, there's not the use of technology, there's not the use of compliance, etc. The pay is poor. All of these, for me, are all linked together. And they're linked together at a time when consumer behaviour has done the opposite. Absolutely, 100%. That's what um, I mean. And so actually the gap between the service that is provided within this sector, but the behaviour and expectation of the customer has gone in the opposite direction. 
Yeah. And so I've, I find that fascinating. And the conundrum that I have is that if you think that when I started an agency in 1987, um, Holly, you weren't born then. No, my basic <laughs> quite a long way was, off. Were you really yeah. not born then? Oh my God, that makes me feel very <laughs> My basic salary was 6,000 quid and I got promoted and it went to 9,000 pounds basic plus commission. And if you look at some of the corporates pay in today's world, ridiculously it's not significantly more than that and i'm talking about 35 years ago yeah, yeah basics are still kind of 10k and and and, and the really justice and and I, i've i've had some exposure to the self-employed model which is again another eye-opener in terms of how a proper percentage of the actual customer fee um, incentivizes and also makes an agent feel obligated and responsible to the consumer yeah the fact that still now in a state agency the average neg list or branch manager gives nine and, and th this is the way i see it puts 95 percent of the money they've earned for the company back to the company and only keeps five percent themselves no wonder the consumer still sees estate agents and this is not me saying this by the way this is what the consumer still thinks when you ask the consumer to rate where estate agents sit in a list of professions they still see us with tabloid journalists politicians and traffic wardens it's because the service that we provide as an industry isn't very good. The reason it's not very good is because we don't pay agents enough. Um, and, and look, that, that probably requires you know, a whole rethink of the estate agency model, because, of course, if you were still running a division of Countrywide and you'd be saying, well, look, I'd, I'd love to pay my next and managers 40 percent commission, but I've got a thousand offices to pay for and a head office and an HR department and a finance department. Well, that, that's not, in my opinion, an excuse or a reason not to think about how you change that. And, and that's why I also think that the, the kind of self-employed models, although I think they're still very nascent now, I mean, there's probably less than a thousand self-employed agents in the UK versus what, 60,000 agents. Yep. So it's tiny, but that has the opportunity, I think, to explode on the basis that as an agent, why would you not want to earn 70% of the fee? Why wouldn't you? You know, and, and unless you're a coward and you're not very good, and if you're a coward and you're not very good, then you know, stay at Connell, stay at Countrywide, you know, stay stay wherever you like that you're sheltered and, you know, you can just kind of sit at the back and enjoy yourself and earn 25 grand. But that, that I think, is to do an injustice to you as an agent and also an injustice to your customer. So we've got to find ways of paying agents what they're worth so that they can be like they are in the US, which is where they're lauded, they're heralded as professionals, and, and is it unusual for an agent in the US to earn $300,000 a year? People listening to this will say, oh, yeah, but that's because in the US, they charge 6%. Well, I can tell you, there are US-derived estate agency models in the UK right now where a small number, and it is a small number of individuals, are earning big six figures on that same basis. So I think we need to wake up and kind of realise that inertia looking backwards is not the way to go forwards we need to find ways of doing a better service to the customer by paying individual estate agents better and it will all come good but while we all sit on our hands and just say well yeah but this is the way we've always done it you know and yeah but i've got 15 branches to pay for it, it's a bit like the subject as we'll come on to it in mm. conveyancing well of course it's broken because conveyancing is a process that started out 500 years ago so we, we've got to be, and I wouldn't even call it being innovative, as you rightly say, looking at any other industry that has evolved, right? So, you know, even industries that evolved over during COVID, right, to use technology, to use social distancing, to use Zoom and so on. 
I just don't think it's an industry we're particularly interested in that, really. We, we still want Rolodexes and applicant card boxes on our desk, a phone, and we want to close at five o'clock. God, we're not going to open on a Sunday because that's, that's our day off. Um, it's mesmerizingly, backwardly stupid for us to still think that the consumer thinks the same way as, as they did in the 70s. And therefore, we should operate in the same way as we did in the 70s. Yeah. Russell, here's an interesting fact for you. So the first week of lockdown, we gave every single guild member a video, a video at a video of every single property they had for sale for sales and nettings. And we broke that weekend. We broke Vimeo. We had a letter of complaint to us saying <laughs> you've sent us so much data so quickly. You've caused, caused it to crash. Service fell over. Good for you. Yeah, literally service fell over for the whole UK. The thing that was brilliant about it is that the guild members were able to transact. I've just been to see one today and they said, yeah, we were good during lockdown, but we don't use it anymore. And it made me think of a very good member of, of the guild. And I won't say it because it's not appropriate, who said to me a few weeks ago, Ian, why the hell would I want to go back to a 15 to, to one view, viewing to sell ratio when I can use technology and have a four to one? Yeah, exactly. And I actually use it as part of my pitch to my customer, which is you don't have to tidy up endlessly. We'll just bring around the three or four people that are genuinely interested because I'll launch it on Facebook. I'll do virtual tours and, I'll, and they've got this funnel effect of how they're funneling activity digitally, saving themselves time, making themselves more profitable. Yeah. And, and look, the, the, my, my big argument is that if you pay agents better, service gets better. Right. And then funnily enough, if that that continuum continues, so to speak, you then end up with more happy customers that are more likely to come back to you and also more likely to refer to you. Now, the latest number I saw for returning customers to estate agents was that only 16% of second, third, fourth sellers go back to the agent that they used the previous time. Only 16%. Can you imagine if Sainsbury's only had a 16% retention rate? It would go out of business in days. Yeah. You know, can, can you imagine any business that could yeah. survive on a 16% retention rate? Well, that is the UK estate agency retention rate. Why? because we're not good enough. So pay more, we're better. When we're better, we get more referrals and more repeat business. But then guess what happens? You can charge more. And the reason you can charge more as an estate agent is because your service is better. And because your next door neighbor or your cousin or your workmate has said, you know what, you've got to go and talk to Ian because he did a fantastic job for us selling our property and he helped us buy, it was, you know, whatever, whatever the platitudes are. Yeah. I bet, and I know this because I've been in this situation, most of the time, the person that you're referring to won't challenge you on fee because they actually value the recommendation, the referral, and that, that sign and acknowledgement and vindication of professionalism far more than having to haggle over a quarter of a percent. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, pay people more, service gets better, more referrals, more repeat business, fee goes up, guess what? We just fixed the industry. Yeah. And you start to get talent coming in at the bottom because at the moment it's easier to go and work in a recruitment consultancy rather than a state agency because they earn more money there. And it's, and it's quicker turnaround, which we'll talk about in a minute with conveyancing. Totally. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting for me there. I learned that obviously, um, Russell, you feel that it hasn't necessarily evolved in the industry over the years. And one thing I picked up on is that I realise that it's quite interesting that we refer to it as traditional estate agency, but there's not many other industries where you refer to it as kind of traditional because everything has evolved so much. So I think that's my key takeaway of that, Ian. What did you particularly pick up on? Yeah, flipping it on his head, when when the online agencies came into place, I, my, my retort used to be, I don't know a single estate agent that isn't online. 
Um, and for me, it's about customer perception. As it currently stands in the UK, the customer thinks the right move sells the house and the customer thinks that the conveyancer gets it through to exchange. It is the agent's inability to articulate the value that they add to the process, which is the root cause of all of this problem. If they could articulate the value, they could demonstrate and show and prove that value through nurture journey work, through keeping in contact with the customers, etc. they would be in a much better position to get the better fee that they need, which then resolves the issue. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? I think if we come back next time and uh, discuss, discuss the relationship between conveyances and estate agents. Let's do that.